All good things must come to an end, as the saying goes. Today is the fourth and final bonus episode in the Lies Moms Believe and the Truth Assess Them Free miniseries. We're talking about a big topic that might step on a couple toes. And in case you haven't heard, we completely re-recorded the teachings for Lies Girls Believe and the Truth Assess Them Free in the studio, and they are available as part of our Lies Girls Believe on-demand study. We have a 10% discount for our True Girl Momcast listeners if you use code FREEDOM when you purchase the on-demand study. You should know this is not just a recording of the live Bible study we did a couple years ago. These are just the video teachings, clear and concise, ready for you to use whenever and wherever you like as you go through Lies Girls Believe with your tween daughter. Alrighty, let's get this final episode and the series started. Well, welcome to our last Lies Moms Believe coaching video. I can't believe we're here already, but make sure you stick around to the end of the video because we're gonna have some ways we can stay in touch. I'm Dana Gresh, the author of Lies Girls Believe and the creator of True Girl. And I'm Janet Milan, one of the lead teachers here at True Girl and the author of Arrows Make Terrible Crowns. So Dana, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a test, oh. okay? Uh, <laughs> yes. I didn't know there was a quiz Don't today. Worry. I didn't I didn't study. It's going to be okay. All I right. promise. I promise. I'm going to mention an object and you tell me if it's something that you would hold on to or something that you would just let go of. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. The first object is a bunny. Oh, I would hold on to a bunny. Right. A right. sweet, soft little cotton-tailed <laughs> bunny. Yes. Um, poison ivy. Oh, yeah. That... I have a, me and Poison Ivy have a thing every summer. So definitely let go of that. Let go. Okay. Play-Doh. Feeling neutral about this one. Should mm -hmm. I, should, what would you do? I mean, it depends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Squishy. It could, it could be a stress yeah. reliever. Okay. I'll hold on to it. You'll hold on to it. Okay. Um, a lizard. No, a friendly lizard. Not a mean one. Mm -hmm. Like a friendly little lizard. Does it have salmonella? No. Okay. <laughs> then I'm holding on to it. You're holding on to it. Okay. What about ice cubes? Uh, no, too cold. Okay. What if I poured honey into your hands? Would you want to hold on to it or just get rid of it? I wouldn't appreciate if you did that. <laughs> you wouldn't? No. Okay. Well, I promise not to do that to you. But here's my amazing tie-in to today's okay. teaching out of that. It seems like all along in your different teachings, I'm hearing a theme kind of over and over again. Okay. There are things a mom needs to hold on to mm. and things that moms need to let go of, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. this constant balance of what do I let go of and what do I hold on to? So yeah. this last lie you're covering today is a doozy. I've definitely felt this one and know a lot of moms who've also believed it. So bring it on, Dana. Let's okay. do this last teaching in the series. I should say, to conduct these focus groups, I had each mom hold a clicker to vote as we talked about a certain subject. So I was able to determine with good accuracy how each individual mom was feeling in the room, and they were able to communicate it to me privately. And at the beginning of each discussion, I asked mothers if they thought today's tween girls faced bigger problems than they did, and if they thought today's girls were more prone to be in spiritual bondage to lies. 80% of moms believe that today's tween girls are more prone to believe lies. But 80% of moms were less concerned about their own daughters than other girls. The fact that those two numbers were neck and neck seemed odd to me, so I probed a bit. I asked moms how their daughters reacted when they needed to be obedient or to submit to rules. And at first they all made their daughters sound so lovely that I thought they might be the first generation of girls to completely conquer rebellion and bring peace to the world. But then each group of women 
generally had one brave mom who would step up to share a surprisingly complex case of disobedience. And during one of these conversations, one mom said, the level of deception my daughter has stooped to in order to avoid submission has actually dumbfounded her dad and me. You see, her daughter was extremely intelligent and scored in the 97th percentile on standardized tests, but she didn't like homework. And in second grade, she decided she didn't need to do it anymore. Her teacher, of course, thought differently. So she began sending notes concerning this girl's lack of obedience and submission concerning homework, but they never made it home. She didn't give them to her mom. After that mom got honest, other moms started to get honest too. Like one mom said, my daughter does obey, but it's not from her heart. It's out of the fear of consequences and it's usually delayed obedience. I remember another mom saying she sometimes demonstrates defiance, but only in small things like not putting on deodorant or failing to make her bed. One mom said, my daughter treats her father like a brother instead of a dad. I remember one mom saying, I'm just plain worn out by her disobedience. Well, once their hearts were open to be honest, I took the next step. I wanted to not only inquire about the beliefs girls need to put to use in the here and now, but also the ones they were going to need in the future. So I asked women what their daughters believed about the value of marriage and motherhood. While most mothers said that their girls wanted to be a wife and mom, 33% felt that their daughters seemed to think having a career or education had way more value and was more important. And this made them sad because like me, those moms love being moms and they can't imagine a better career. Well, after our discussion on obedience and submission and marriage and motherhood, I took another stab at things, repeating my question about whether or not their daughters could be capable of believing lies. And the results changed in every single focus group. Only 56% of moms were still less concerned about their own daughters than other girls after those difficult conversations. The lie that we detected was this, my daughter is not at risk like other girls. Now, some moms proudly inserted the word sheltered to describe their girls when this topic came up. I got to tell you, you may have sheltered them, protected them, filled them with truth and prayed for them diligently, but that does not exempt them from being exposed to lies, believing them and sinning. If it did, Eve would never have fallen prey, right? The first woman lived in a world untouched by sin. No woman has ever lived a more sheltered life. There was no Netflix, social media, music, clicks, advertisements, or sin in the Garden of Eden. Eve walked and talked with a perfect father who only speaks truth. And yet she listened to the first lying voice and she believed the most cataclysmic lie ever told. How is it that we believe our own daughters are not also at risk? The truth is that your daughter is going to sin. All of us do. She's at risk because humanity is at risk. And for that reason, we must be prepared not only to plant truth into her, but nurture it with grace when she sins. The story in the garden models God's readiness to extend grace. He expected his children to sin and he prepared to respond to their fall with two things, comforting conversation and confrontation. First thing we see is that God comfortingly converses with them. He pursued them and called out to them with the question, where are you? Now for the record, he knew the answer to that. He's God. 
So this question demonstrates the communal interactive nature of godly discipline. Of course, Adam and Eve realized how utterly exposed they were, and they felt embarrassed, ashamed. And God knew what they had done, why and how they felt, but he gave them the chance to verbalize it before rushing to explain the harsh realities of confrontation. He had a conversation with them to help them understand their reaction and their shame. I think one of the important things about your daughter's behavior is not just what she's done, but why she's done it. The why is at the root of her belief system. You may have a good idea why she was mean to her sibling today. She felt overwhelmed and jealous of the attention her little brother was getting at his birthday party. You may understand why she cheated on her reading test. She felt dumb and embarrassed by her recent diagnosis of dyslexia. You may think you know why she lied about having a horse. Because she felt insecure when she was talking to her new friends. You know it but she may not. You see, grace slows down the consequences just a bit to tend to the heart. Now, grace is an undeserved gift. God gave it to Adam and Eve, and I'm asking you to wrap it up and give it to your daughter now and then in the form of a conversation. Even if the dishes need to be done and you're running late to get your son to soccer practice and you have an Etsy order to get in the mail today. Comforting your child with understanding is a vital part of nurturing her in truth. Later in the biblical narrative, God provides even more comfort by offering Adam and Eve alternatives to their handmade fig leaf clothing. He made them fur coats. That's no small thing. We don't know which of God's beautiful, perfect creatures died that day, but something did. And we don't realize how costly a gift this was because we've grown up in a world acquainted with blood and death but it was something God never wanted for this earth. Yet for the love of his children, death came, blood was shed, pointing to Christ, the Lamb of God, who would one day shed his blood so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. But it's spoiling her if you don't follow through with God's second act of grace, confrontation. God confronted them. And confrontation is not a form of punishment, it's actually discipleship. Punishment is dispensing consequences for sinful behaviors. Discipleship is confronting sinful behavior and heart attitudes for the purpose of nurturing your child in truth. Now, it may include consequences, but it's not limited them, meaning it does not end with them. When God began the work of confronting Adam and Eve, he didn't start with the sad list of pain in childbirth, relationship problems, working hard to make the earth bring forth fruit, and all that other stuff. He began with another question. What did you do? As important as it is for your daughter to consider why she did what she did, it's also important she knows she sinned. It's good for her to call it what it is, lying, cheating, bullying, stealing, sneaking onto social media, or watching a forbidden show on Netflix. Ask her what she did. The language of grace does not do away with the need for the vocabulary of sin. Of course, that's certainly not a popular word in our post-Christian culture, and it isn't mentioned in most modern parenting books. But I believe helping your daughter understand sin is imperative if you're going to help her walk in truth. The story of sin in the Garden of Eden is actually a hopeful story. The assumption that there is sin, that there is right and wrong, brings with it the implication that decisions can be made. 
And to this end, sin is a useful concept because your daughter can learn that she has a choice the next time she's faced with a sticky feeling, a lie, or the temptation to sin. And I think what our girls face today is probably a lot more confusing than what Adam and Eve experienced, though I don't know for sure. At least Adam and Eve knew what was right and wrong, for God had told them clearly. So they knew when they had sinned, there was no uncertainty. It's certainly not as easy for some people to identify sin in a world governed by tolerance, acceptance, and hedonism. Erasing the concept of sin, though, is confusing to our children. Without a strong compass for right and wrong, your daughter could become unsure of what to do the next time she's faced with a choice. But you can give her the grace-filled gift of talking to her about sin. You know, I'm convicted every time I read about the life of Eli the priest. It's a very short mention in the Bible, but his sons were evil and they were unrestrained. And the Bible says Eli was punished, but not because his sons were bad. The Bible says he, they, he was punished because he did not confront their sin. I beg you, reject that lie that your daughter is not at risk like other girls. Expect her to sin. Psalm 51.5 tells me she was sinful from the moment she was born. That means she had the capacity to believe lies since the moment she was born. This last lie moms believe, my daughter is not at risk like other girls, it's deadly to our daughters because it disables our parental alarm system. It blinds us to the telltale signs of risk. Rather than exploring what lies may be under her sticky feelings, we end up excusing and explaining them away as simply normal developmental changes that all pre-adolescent children go through. Don't do that. Arm yourself with the truth that your daughter will sin and be ready to rush in with grace to nurture the truth with comforting conversation and unwavering confrontation of sin. Can you imagine how different things would have been had your eight-year-old self learned how to really replace lies with God's truth? As I look back, um, I realize a lot of the lies that I believed into my adult years started when I was eight, nine, ten. 11, 12 years old. And um, so I, when I was doing these focus groups with the moms, I was doing mm -hmm. surveys of 1,500 church-going tween girls and identifying the top 20 lies they believed. And I wrote the book to help them find God's truth on those lies, but also to learn a three-step process so they can identify lies that aren't in the book and know how to find God's truth and be set free. It's great because Lies Girls Believe is both like meaty and also engaging for the girls and a great way to connect moms and daughters. So women have been asking for Lies Girls Believe. We've done it and it's a live stream, but they're asking for something else, aren't they? They want an on-demand version right. of it so that mom can be in the driver's seat. We've had about 160,000 moms go through the book so far, and they're saying we would love just a brief teaching for us to use before we do like the next segment of homework. So I'm going to provide teaching for about... I don't know, eight to 10 minutes, and then you can have a conversation or whatever you want to do for your mom-daughter Bible study or your group Bible study, and then you do your homework for that week. But you wouldn't have to do it week by week. You could do it like as a weekend retreat, or you could do it all in one week. However you want to do it, you're in the driver's seat. That's great. So check your email today, the one that contained this video, and you'll see a link to register to receive the on-demand study of lies. Girls believe in the truth that sets them free. It's going to be amazing and really a great way to connect with your daughter as you both learn together how to replace lies with God's truth that would change everything, right? Everything, right. absolutely everything. So I'm hungry. 
Yeah. I would like some buffalo chicken fries. Are you up for that? Yeah, that's no lie either. I'm totally in the mood for <laughs> buffalo chicken fries. Your treat? Also not lying, yes. I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this four-part bonus episode series of the True Girl MomCast. If you have any questions about the Lies Girls Believe On Demand study, go ahead and send an email to info at mytruegirl.com. This is Janet Milan, and I want you to know that you are not alone in your desire to raise your daughter according to the truth of God's word. Bye-bye.